Welcome to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast, where you will find sermons, devotional thoughts, and current event conversations, all based on a biblical worldview. It's good to be here. I want to thank everybody who prayed because I did have a fever and with my family being sick and missing the last two weeks, I wanted to make sure that I made it here today. So thank you for the prayers. Before we jump into what we're going to talk about, I want to recap last week, and somebody shared a testimony with me. Last week we spoke about forgiveness and reconciliation and the difference that makes, that I will forgive anybody what they do to me because my Heavenly Father has asked me to. But this person, it was Dr. Ashley, she shared the story of an Iranian Christian woman who was at the trial of the individual who killed her son. And in... The country of Iran, they don't mess around. If you murder somebody, you're getting the death penalty. And But before this man was hung for his crime of killing this woman's son, she felt impressed to walk up to him and told him that she forgave him. And that is an amazing power of the grace of God because even though we can forgive somebody for their atrocities and even though they may have to still pay for the crimes, there is forgiveness in Christ and there's forgiveness for our souls and for the person who committed the crime. And if they should repent, they have a home in glory that outshines the sun. Today, though, we are going to address... And before the married people tune me out, we're going to address being single in the church. Mercy. Being single in the church, being single as a Christian, being single in this day and age has its advantages. Because when three kids are waking you up in the middle of the night, you sometimes wish you were still single. When three kids are getting sick and they're getting your spouse sick, sometimes you wish you were single. But... Being single in this day and age also comes with its challenges. And us married folk should be there for the single folk of any age, whether you are single because you've never been married or single because you are a widow or have never been married. Whether you're young or old, the Word of God has something for us today. So where do we begin? Well, we begin with a question. If you're young or never been married or a widow, do you want to be married eventually? Some people want to be remarried if they're a widow or were divorced or are just young and new and, and are, are dreaming about it. And the question is, do you want to be married eventually? If the answer is yes to that question, or do you want to do it God's way? If the answer is no, not about doing it God's way, but that you do not want to be married, Are you willing to be single God's way? Because there are only two choices. You either do it God's way or you do it the world's way. Whether you get married, you want to do it, marry God's way, or if you're going to stay single, you want to do it God's way. Either way, there's only two choices, God's way or the world's way. That being said, our relationship status or lack thereof does not define who we are. For I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Like our theme song says, yet not I, but Christ 
but but Christ through me. A future relationship or lack thereof should not be the narrative of our existence. God is. I'll repeat that. A future relationship or lack thereof should not be the narrative of our existence. It should not define us because what defines us is God. Therefore, live each day in a manner that seeks to honor God in all that you do. And that goes for the married folks as well. Marriage does not define who we are. I am not one in Christ because I am married to my wife. I am one in Christ because the relationship is between me and him. There have been famous people in the Bible who are single and remain single all their lives. We look at our Savior, Jesus Christ. Many people speculate that Paul was married and his wife abandoned him. But for what we know in scripture, that is not alluded to. That is from church history. But we know that Paul was single. And he emphasizes that. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 7, 7, he says, For I wish that all men were even as myself. But Paul acknowledges each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. This means that we should focus our life, whether married or single, on serving God and using our gifts to the further of the kingdom rather than worrying about our relationship status. Don't let your relationship status define you, whether you're married or single. We are more than that. For if your spouse should abandon you, your relationship to Christ should still remain strong. We are children of the Most High. Nevertheless, though, and this is where we dive into the singles, in the majority of the cases in life, boy meets girl, girl meets boy, and a relationship flourishes. And there are only two ways, as we said, that you can do it, God's way or the world's way. We'll address, by the way, this is part one of part two. Next week, we'll address other forms of being singleness in different stages of life. But today we're going to concentrate on those who are eager or desiring to get married. You could do it God's way or the world's way. Sadly, I have done it both ways. I can tell you God's way is better. See, I have dated the world's way. And <laughs> now that I look back, the world's way is very funny, yet sad. See, because when you do it the world's way, in my situation, I used to go to nightclubs. And so you, <laughs> first of all, not a place to meet your future spouse. But anyway, in the world's way, or whether it's at a nightclub or at a restaurant or you're hanging out in the world's way, you meet a woman, you meet a, a young lady who you're attractive. Obviously, I'm giving you the male perspective. I've always been a male. I plan to remain a male. But, but, but it applies to the women as well. So you meet, you meet a woman. And so in the world's way, the first thing you do is you find a way to try to approach her. You come either with some cheesy line or you just draw near her in the clubs. 
<laughs> it's funny because you try dancing next to her, and if she stays next to you, then you keep advancing. Well, anyway, the point being is you becoming you you come into a relationship or a friendship, let's say at the beginning, and let's say you start a conversation. Now, obviously, for a man, you are attracted to her because physically she appears someone you like. And then you begin to talk to her and you realize, hey, wait a minute, there's something more here than just the physical beauty. Let's continue to talk. You exchange phone numbers. But in the world's way, once you have her number, the worst thing you can do is call her the very same day. You can't do that in the world's way. Because if you call her the first day, or even within the second day, or perhaps even within the third day, the world way, and I have seen this, and the reason I have seen this, I have grown up in a, I grew up in a church where I was the only teenage boy in a sea of 15 teenage girls. <laughs> yes, it taught me some lessons because when we would go to church socials, or we would go to people's houses where there were church socials, or sometimes we would just go hang out. I was the only guy. I would be invited. I'd hang out with these 15 girls. The girls would get phone calls. Remember, teenagers from 15 to 18, 19. Some of the girls would get phone calls from guys that were interested in them. And this is why Larie and I emailed for three and a half months and didn't talk on the phone because... She didn't trust the phone, and neither did I. Because the guys would call, trying to be flirty with the girl, and I'd be there watching her and her conversation, and where her friends watching. Now, it could have been done because her friends were watching, and I was watching, but she'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and that just scarred me for life. But the reason you don't call, according to the world, because I lived in the world, the reason you don't call right away is that you don't want her to think you're overly interested. You don't want her to think that she has you at the palm of her hand and can play you like a puppet, right? That's the reason you don't call right away. And so guys would be there dying with the number thinking this. I can't call right away because then she's going to think, she has me like a puppet. But if I don't call, then she's going to think I'm, well, then she's going to think I'm not interested. And you're wrestling back and forth of when is the right time to call. And then you call, finally. She's been waiting on the phone, hoping you'd call, because she's not thinking that if you call right away, she's playing you like a puppet, even though sometimes they do. And sometimes, so there's this battle, this dance that need not happen. But in the world's way, you call, you ask her for a date, you decide to go on a date, and right away, you are either going to a movie, dinner in a movie, or dinner in a club, or in the world's way. And depending on uh, the background of either individual, it moves on either faster or slower than some of the world's way. But nevertheless, in the world's way, it moves eventually beyond the biblical way. Let's just put it at that. And you date for a year or two, and let's say you're 18, 19. Well, at that point, 
uh, there was really no thought of marriage. It was boy meets girl, girl meets boy. They are infatuated. They date. And unfortunately, a lot of times it goes beyond the biblical perspective. And there are games that are played because unfortunately, some of the guys that in the world are known as players or ladies men, they know how to pry upon the emotions of women. Now, parents do not make the mistake that my biological mother made, which was she implanted in me a thought that was erroneous if perhaps maybe in her day, but not in my day, was correct. And the thought she implanted in me is that women are above reproach, that every woman is going to behave like a lady that every woman is going to be looking for a relationship that's ever, you know, that's long lasting and that a woman will behave like a woman. Well, the surprise to me when I started dating inappropriately or when I was going in clubs is that women can be just as bad as men. And that took me by Surprise, that took me, because I grew up in an Adventist home, I grew up in a religious home, that really opened up my eyes to the fact that parents don't always have the answers to everything. And that God has given each of us the ability to reason, and by the time I am clubbing and doing all these things, I'm an adult. I should be thinking for myself anyway. And, and these things were opening my eyes to things that I was not aware. The devil doesn't care whether you're a man or a woman. He's going to tempt us to go beyond the biblical principles. And we need to be alert for that. From a man's perspective, perspective when I was in the world, women were very aggressive, not just the men. But when you date in the world, there is a problem with the scenario I just pointed out. How do you meet a woman unless you approach her? How do you know who you're going to marry unless you approach them? How are you going to know whether they're right for you unless you enter into a relationship? But that's mistake number one. Now follow me here. Solomon, in the Song of Solomon, in Psalms, Psalms 2-7, you can write it down. We don't have to go. I have it in my notes here. It says, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. In other words, let me read you what my Bible, I have uh, not on, this is a life application Bible. It's one of, it's non-Adventist, but it's one of the best commentary Bibles. It says this about that verse. Feelings of love can create emotions that overpower reason. Young people are too often in a hurry to develop an intimate relationship based on their strong feelings. But feelings aren't enough to support a lasting relationship. This verse encourages, speaking of Song of Solomon 2.7, this verse encourages us not to force romance lest the feelings of love grow faster than the commitment needed to make love last. Patiently wait for feelings of love and commitment to develop together. 
Ellen White says it in a different way. She says, the problem with dating today, she says, is that once you begin to date, and especially in the world, once you've tasted the forbidden fruit, it is hard to think logically about the flaws of the person you are dating. Once you are enamored, once you are raptured emotionally, you can have red lights flashing at you and love is blind, but your parents are not. Right? There was a poem that used to go around in middle school, never make out by the garden gate because love is blind, but the neighbors ain't. Your parents, your elders can see the flaws in the character that have you enraptured if you go beyond the biblical parameters of a relationship before marriage. And I've shared this story of a young lady who I grew up with. Her parents, she was dating, first of all, a young man behind her parents' back. Mistake right there. As a matter of fact, Sister White tells us that to have a man date a woman behind the parents' back is tantamount to stealing affections and breaking the commandment, thou shalt not steal. And so she dated this man. Then finally they told her parents. But by the time they told her parents, she was already emotionally hooked. And her parents could see it. Her friends could see it. Her sister could see it. There is no way she should marry this man. But she did. Turned out he had another wife and children in his native homeland. As a matter of fact, one of the big red warning signs was that this man tried to hit on his sister, on his girlfriend's sister. However, when you're so emotionally involved already, when you awaken love before it's time, then you neglect the red lights. You, you neglect the warning signals. And so in the world, what happens is that you begin to date somebody, you go beyond the biblical confines of parameters, and you are emotionally hooked, but then sometimes things happen. And in the world, a young man, and I have seen it, a young man will then find another woman attractive. And then he'll begin to talk to her while he's still talking to the other one. When there is no marital commitment, he is free to do so. I worked at the Olive Garden, by the way, putting myself through college. And even before that, in high school, I worked at the Olive Garden. And now when you get a bunch of young single men and young single women working at a restaurant that closes late at night, there is plenty of opportunity to hang out together late nights because all your other friends have already gone out or they've already done their things because they're not working late at night. And so I learned a lot of things. I'm a, I try to be very observant. And I realized quickly that there were waiters and waitresses dating each other and dating someone else who worked a different shift. But who can say no? And this was men and women doing this. Because the truth is, God did say it's not good for man to be alone, man and woman. There is for the most part in us, a desire to have a companion, a desire for a long lasting relationship.
And so in the world, you date one person and you leave some of your heart with them. You date another person and you leave some of your heart with them. You date, you date, you date. And by the time you find yourself emotionally involved, sometimes going beyond the biblical parameters, and now you don't know what to think. You don't know what to trust. Some of your relationships remind you of someone else. While you have it good in this relationship, you might still be thinking of someone else. But the beauty of all of this, or I don't want to say the beauty necessarily, but the truth is, is that there is grace in God. He can redeem the unredeemable. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. We are going to look at that. Genesis chapter 2. Beginning in verse 20. Then man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky. Oh, by the way, it's that time. I'm officially old. There we go, much better. Then man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed it up, closed up the flesh of that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And so when we look at that and we study this verse theologically, there is a desire that Adam had. He wanted to be married. He did not long to be single. And so the Lord made him his perfect companion. And we know from our understanding of Adventism that, and from Scripture that he took her from the ribs. So she is not below him and she is not above him. They are equal in the marriage. But there are other principles that we can take from here. And especially had I been given these principles and installed would have saved me a bunch of headaches in my life apart from God. But here's the, some of the principles I want to share and me and sometimes anybody ever seen the movie The Patriot Mel Gibson? There's a line there that that haunts me and if it wasn't for the grace of God it would truly haunt me. He says I have long feared that my sins will be visited upon my children. And for, for the things I have seen and for the things that I have experienced, for the things in my life, I ask God daily for mercy on the fact that I have three daughters. Because I would not want them to meet my friends or a person how I used to be when they are old enough to date. <laughs> you laugh, but you know what I'm talking about. And so the principles you see here is the mistakes that parents made, my parents made through ignorance, I guess, is that why are you letting an 18-year-old person date? 
And I'm being serious here. Based on the principles that we just read here, why are you letting them date? My dad used to say they don't even know how to change their underwear and they want to be in a relationship. They can't provide a home. They cannot, they're probably still in school. They cannot provide a home. They don't have an income. They cannot be married should something happen outside of biblical parameters. But no, my kids are not going to go beyond biblical parameters. Let's say that is true then why put them under the temptation? For what do you think is going to be the temptation if they're dating exclusively at the age of 18, 19, still living in your home, still dependent on you, spending time alone with somebody of the opposite sex in their car? Nowadays, they can rent a room. What do you think the temptations are going to be? Even if they don't succumb, you have allowed them to be in an atmosphere with a temptation, especially in today's society where every commercial is sexualized, every TV ad is sexualized. The temptation will be to go beyond the parameters inscribed in Scripture. Do not awaken love before it's time. By the time I met Laurie, I was a grown man with a full salary. She was a grown woman, a doctor working full time, both established in our faith, both ready to form a union and both ready to do it God's way, not the world's way. What was I doing with a brand new, fully loaded car? My parents paying for my apartment and letting me date, and not in the church, by the way. It's a recipe for disaster because you can walk away from a relationship on good terms, but the part of you that you've given away has been given away never to return. And if it weren't for the grace of God, you'd be haunted by those memories for the rest of your life. Young people dating, yet not ready to leave father and mother. As a matter of fact, this is going to sound weird. Not weird, but the valley, I lived in the valley. Harlingen, McAllen, Edinburgh, that whole area by Mexico. is the weirdest place I've ever lived in my life. And I'm being sincere. I've lived in New York City, as crazy as New York City is. I've lived in New Jersey, Connecticut, Michigan, Tennessee, Texas. The Valley is the weirdest place. There are parents who want their kids to get married, but not live outside their home. They want them to live at home so that they can combine resources and, and I guess better themselves. But if there's something a marriage needs, is your own space. The Bible says you have to be ready to leave father and mother and be joined to your wife or spouse in this case and become one flesh. As a matter of fact, an Adventist home, Adventist home, yeah, Adventist home, there is a title called sacred circle and, and it talks about the sacred circle being that once 
you are in a relationship. No one has a right to interfere, not the parents, not the in-laws, no one. It's between you, your spouse, and God. And then many people in the world, having dated inappropriately, finally get exhausted from dating inappropriately, have the attitude that, well, I'm 28, 29, 30, 31, I might as well settle down and get married. And they get married to someone who comes from the same background, and what they do is settle and not find who God wanted them to marry, not find who God wanted them to be. Now, mention a couple of things as a pastor. Many times parents have come to me wondering why their kids are promiscuous and not trace it back to the fact that they allowed special friendships beginning at early ages of 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 or whether they're still at home dependent upon you. See, the temptation is always going to be there. And you know what is, is, is hard, and I understand it, but that's why we don't live by our own strength. We live by the strength of Christ, is that nowadays men and women are maturing earlier and marrying later. So there is all that pent-up energy for longer years. And so I am not opposed to someone getting married young, but it has to be done God's way. And they have to be able to be independent on their own, not still dependent on mom and dad. Listen to this quote. She says, to trifle with hearts is a crime of no small magnitude in the sight of a holy God. And I'm talking about men and women. And yet some will show preference for young ladies and call out their affections and then go on their way and forget all about the words they have spoken and their effect. A new face attracts them and they repeat the same words, devout to another, and devote to another the same attention. Let me repeat the first phrase. To trifle with hearts is a crime of no small magnitude in the sight of a holy God. <laughs> I remember, sadly, I went with a friend of mine to go see a girl that he was dating. It was a hot summer night, and so I got out of the car and I waited, leaning up against the trunk. They were maybe the length of the camera away, so I could faintly hear the conversation. But the part that stood out to me the most, and this was when I was starting, the Holy Spirit was already starting to work on me. The part I remember the most is that he told her, I'll call you tonight or I'll call you later, something to that effect. And as I'm listening to that, I can see in her face, because his back was towards me, she was at the door, he was saying goodbye, that she began to cry. And he asked her, why are you crying? 
And she said, because you always say you're going to call, and you never do. And years back, I look now at that trifling with carts is a crime of no small magnitude in the sight of a holy God. So where are we today? And let me address the young people before I conclude. There's only two ways to do it. You either do it God's way or you're doing it the world's way. But if you find yourself doing it the world's way today, know that there is grace and forgiveness. He can forgive Mary Magdalene. He can forgive a man who trifles with hearts. But there has to be a surrender and there has to be a turnaround. And there has to be a desire to say that even if I want a relationship, even if the Lord does not provide it, I would rather remain single and do it God's way than to remain single and do it the world's way. Do not awaken love before it's time. Do not trifle with young men's hearts. Do not trifle with young women's hearts. Keep yourself pure. How can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young woman keep her way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. We'll continue part two next week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that in the life of Christ who remained single in the life of Paul, you have showed us that all things are possible. But Father, in society we long for relationships, but may we do it your way and not the world's way. May we not trifle with hearts. May we seek you and know that we're not defined by relationships, but we're defined by Christ in me. We thank you and we love you. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast. You can find us at woodlandsadventist.org and you can visit us anytime. You're more than welcome. God bless you and have a great day.